Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, we have back by popular demand, Grandmaster Wolf. His first episode was a phenomenon on the show. People love Grandmaster Wolf, so I invited him back. And this time we talk about the afterlife, reincarnation, and why do we continue to incarnate in this life, how to escape incarnation, and so, so much more, as we always do when we talk to Grandmaster Wolf. So without any further ado... Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome back to the show, returning champion, Grandmaster Wolf. <laughs> How are you doing, Grandmaster Wolf? I'm very well, thank you, Alex. It's been a 14-hour day, so let's go slow. I, I always I always get you tired, sir. I always get you very tired. Oh, it's the way you talk to me, Alex. You just <laughs> exhaust me. <laughs> <laughs> my friend the, the last conversation we had people uh really really enjoyed it's done very very well on the show it is you're one of the more uh talked about guests i've had on the show and uh we we right away said oh we have to do this again so we brought you back to uh this time we're going to talk about some interesting stuff and i'd love to hear uh your perspective on it uh the concepts of the afterlife and reincarnation is a topic that fascinates most every every human being on the planet. At one point or another, is going to go. Eh, what's on the other side? Uh, is yeah. there anything that happens with it when we die? Can you, from a mystic's point of view, from your point of view, can you talk about the concept of reincarnation and how it fits into a spiritual journey? Oh, is that it? Well, that's the beginning, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, to get your head around that kind of truth, you have to understand and remember that the universe is one enormous living thing. And it goes on forever. Mind, I'm talking about the life, the entity that we call life or being alive universally. So there's only one life and all things are in it. That life can be broken down very basically to matter and an animating force. That animating force can build anything out of that matter. Matter is like a extremely advanced Lego block kit. You can make anything from whales to people. So matter can only hold itself together for a certain amount of time, whether it's a worm or a person or a tree, different amounts of time for different forms like waves on an ocean. Some waves can travel hundreds of miles. Some waves come up and go down 
right in front of you on the shoreline. They all have different lifespans, but it's still only the one ocean producing all of those forms and those waves. If each one of those waves thought that it was an individual character, and if all the other waves are under the, the same delusion, every time a wave goes back down into the ocean, the other waves are going to wonder, I wonder if he will come back, not realising that they are waves on the same body of life. So what I'm getting at is part of the way the ocean is, is constantly bringing up waves, constantly bringing up forms, but the ocean itself never disappears. Now in life, life is experiencing itself and living through matter. Life is immortal, it's there forever. Matter has to keep being rebuilt and reconstituted. That's basically your reincarnation. What happens there is this, and I need to say here that anything I speak about comes from experience and practice. I will never, ever speak of anything that someone's told me. I will never speak of anything that I've read. Consequently, I haven't read a book for 30 years, 20, 30 years, because it's hearsay. You don't know who wrote the books. You don't know who you're talking to. It's all hearsay until you've actually done it for yourself and experienced it for yourself. And my experience is when you practice the death practices, which is to stop your heart and die, etc. I need to say something else first. When most people are on their deathbed and they don't have much of a clue of what's going on, they faint. They faint out of fear because they don't know what's coming up. They are terrified, most people, unfortunately, but that's the case. So they faint and they miss the whole process of dying. When you learn to sit in the correct place in your mind, and have all of the horrors that a mind or a brain, I should say, have all of the horrors that a brain can produce whizzing around you inside here. When you go in and sit in still meditation and your thoughts are chattering away about negative things and there's other movements coming and going and there's the aching body. The point to meditation is to focus and be so still that your mind isn't darting from one thing to the other. That's the movement you have to still in meditation. Don't still the things that are moving. You still that part of you that is constantly moving from one to the other. And you hold that. And when you can hold that dead still for a minute or so, enlightenment will hit you like a truck. Now, these thoughts that are whizzing around you have all of your fears and all of your likes and dislikes and all of your paranoias and everything that makes a person's life terrible. And I'm not saying all life is terrible, but this is the context that we're speaking about. <clears throat> You've learned to be absolutely dead still, regardless of what the brain or life can throw at you. So then once you've learned to do that, hopefully when it comes time to die, you'll be as still as still can be and you'll watch the process of dying and you'll see your body close down. You'll see your brain close down. We did this twice a week. I'm speaking, I'm describing experiences that we have had here. 
So you watch the whole thing die and break down, but you will not lose your consciousness or focus. You'll still be there. And then you will see the obligatory light at the end of the tunnel. And you'll start heading towards that. This whole process to you will seem like about 15 minutes, but in actuality, about 40 weeks have gone by, which is a pregnancy term. So you start heading towards that light. And when you come out of that light into it, I should say, you're not going to see St. Peter or God. You're going to see your new mother and the doctor and the nurse. That's what you're going to see because you're about to be reborn. And that's what reincarnation is. Once you have done that once, you will see and understand through experience that the only thing that comes and goes is the body. And you, the mind, the spirit, doesn't go anywhere. It's always there, always will be. So now the question is, is there such a thing as reincarnation? Interesting way of looking at it. Mm. Very interesting way. So can we talk a little bit about what happens to us? I know you love laughing. Uh, can we talk a little bit about, you see, when you talk to me about these kind of things, they don't phase me very often. So I just, I just continue to move on. I'm like, sure, that absolutely, I agree with you 100%. When you when you are born, can you talk about what actually happens to the perfect enlightened being that comes out? What is in that vessel and what happens to it while it is incarnating? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. <laughs> Thanks for that, Alex. The first piece of what I'm about to say, you've heard me say many times, so bear with that, and then I shall attach the extension that you are asking about. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this will answer a lot of questions for a lot of people. <sighs> nature produces everything, and in this case, nature uh, by nature, I mean the universe, nature. So when you are born, you have this beautiful, pristine, clean mind inside a pristine, clean brain inside this beautiful little brand new body that's been put together by nature. That's what comes out of your mother's womb. That's what nature and the planet made. That's you. Beautiful stuff. Now, from that point on, all sorts of people are going to start putting names and labels and opinions and judgments and ideas and beliefs and wrong thinking and a little bit of right thinking into this little head. And those thoughts will accumulate when they get to about 100 billion thoughts. You now have this big lump of thought process that we call an ego or it calls itself an ego. It will also give itself a name or, to put it a better way, the egos of your parents will give it a name. <laughs> mm -hmm. Very much. So, by the time you're 10 or 12 or whatever the age is, it's different for everyone, you have an ego fully formed, full of stuff, and you think 
it thinks you think that that is you. Now, all that information that's been put into that baby is other people's information, other people's beliefs, other people's opinions and judgments. That's what's gone into that baby. And that's what's made up that ego. And that ego is what you think you are. It thinks it's you. It's usurped your life. Everyone in the world has one of those. Now, you take a thought from any one of those egos in this world and you break it in half. There's nothing in there. It's not alive. It doesn't know you're in there looking at it. It is data. That's all that it is. It has no life of its own. <clears throat> that doesn't mean you can't use them, but that's a whole other story. So you've got this dead zombie ruling your life, these dead thoughts ruling every second and dictating every second of your life, and everyone has one, and they're all made up of other people's rubbish and opinions, as we've just said. Now, there's 8 billion of those things in this world right now, and those things, these 8 billion egos that have no wisdom of their own, invented our education system, invented our society, they invented our law system, etc. Is it any wonder life's very shitty for most people? Is it any wonder after all these years of so-called higher education, no one can still get their head around it? It's still not making sense. Why? Because these things are what we are using to process it and think about it, and they don't have a clue, obviously. And that's the problem. So anyway, is there such a thing as you at that point? It's very interesting. This is something that just flew into my into my noggin while you were saying all of this. Your noggin. <laughs> my noggin, sir. It's interesting because... Well, you just said there at the end that we cannot process this reality well many times using the ego, using all of these thoughts and opinions and and dogmas and everything that's been kind of piled into us over the years. As I think either you said or someone has said, you spend the first seven years being programmed and the rest of your life trying to be deprogrammed mm. uh, to, go, to find yourself back to source. But it seems to me that people like yourself, other spiritual masters that I've spoken to, they process life from the internal source power, from mm. the inner power inside of you that is within the heart, let's say, for an analogy, not as much in the brain. And they can process this reality at a much higher level going internally than externally for opinions and thoughts and ideas. Many great masters that I've studied has said, we don't read books. We don't, we don't look at other people's opinions and thoughts. We look internally for those ideas. Now, there are books that could start you on that journey. There's things that can mm. ignite these ideas and these thoughts. But at the end of the day, it's a remembering of these things. This is not new information. This is remembering information. So what do you think of that, that idea? Because I think it's very interesting. That was the first thing that popped into my head. I was like, that makes so much sense because these spiritual, you know, spiritual masters, they just process life differently than the rest of us are running around like chickens without a head. Yeah. They're not actually processing mm -hmm. it that 
at that point you are the life that the ego is trying to process the mm -hmm. ego tries to process the spirit just is it mm -hmm. it it's it's the life that you're trying to process <laughs> mm -hmm. you see here's the demonstration right there you can't mm -hmm. approach it with thinking it's not possible the thought process is purely there for survival and l let me back up okay obviously mm -hmm. As I've said before, we are of two things. We are of matter and we are of an animating force. You can call it mind or spirit. That's irrelevant. It doesn't have a name. That's this ego shit thing, giving it a name. It doesn't have a name. So matter, including the brain, has its own ways of being, its own ways of sustaining, its own ways of continuing itself and procreating itself it also has the ability to create its own miracles the brain can create miracles such as placebo effect mm -hmm. that's a good example actually of what it can do it can also eat an apple and turn it into you within 15 minutes that's not a bad miracle either <laughs> so it can do lots of things miraculously with matter but it can't do anything about spirit <clears throat> spirit has its own miracles from its dimension it can heal from a distance it can heal other people it has remote viewing abilities you see so they're the miracles so-called miracles of the spirit they have different ways of doing things <clears throat> and therefore matter trying to understand spirit is like comparing apples and oranges it can't be done there's the different things from different places, from different trees. But you can grow apples and oranges in the same paddock, but that's it. That's as close as they get. What I mean by that is on planets and other places, matter and spirit can cohabit. And if the matter happens to have a brain allocated to it, you have an interface where spirit can function through matter. That's what the brain's for. It's an interface between two dimensions. I've completely forgotten your question. No, no, we've, gone, <laughs> we've gone, we've gone down the road. Yeah, we've, we, we've gone down the road a bit. And no, the, the statement was that how, how spiritual uh, masters or people who really look internally process ah. life differently. But it's really interesting as you were saying that it's kind of like there's a car, which is matter, and then yes. it sits there doing nothing, worthless, useless, doesn't do a thing until someone sits in it, turns it I on. Wish, I wish I'd have said it like that. And starts to drive the car. Mm. Because without that animating force, it's just a pile of matter. Yes. Uh, or a pile of bolts and chips and other things like that in the, in the car analogy. But so... That is the animated matter, which is the soul. As a as a, a guest of mine said once, um, without the soul, uh, the body starts to stink pretty yes. quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> Very quickly. Once the soul is gone, the animating force is gone. And death it, will death will come out of you. And it will go back to 
the wave. The wave will then go down back into the ocean, which is the body going back into the earth to start to, the process all over again. It, that, it's fascinating. Now, okay, so we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So going back to when you come into this world as a new soul, when you come in, you say we are an empty vessel. How does karma play into that? Because karma and kind of, I always said, because I have, I have kids, I always say that was my daughters, they came programmed from the factory like that because I didn't teach them that they have no experience in that. And yet they lean in one way, they lean in the artistic standpoint, or they want to do this, or they want to do that, or they lean into the physical, they want to be in sports or something like that. Those are things that come programmed in them. And I have actively seen that I didn't actively, because I've been with them all their life, haven't shown them these things. So, you know, it's a mystery how they became that. So how does karma play in to the programming of that soul coming into a new incarnation? Oh, gosh, (laughs) karma. Karma works on many, many levels. I'll give you a very interesting, for instance, one level of karma only. Many, many people see karma as reward or punishment, and that isn't true. Life is one living entity, and it doesn't punish itself. It's not that stupid. So it's not about punishment or reward. It's about remembering enough things to consistently develop and progress and become more erudite in our lives or in life itself. That's what it's about. If, for instance, and I think I've said this before, if you spend your entire life wanting nothing but sex and have children after children after children, that's all you want to do, that's what you live for, that's what you've dedicated your life to, you will probably come back as a rabbit. That's not a punishment. That's you. You you shaped your soul, so to speak, to fit into a rabbit by your loves and needs and wants. That's all there is to it. That's 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 a level. So then, but when you're bringing in, that's a level. So when you're coming back in, though, as a human soul. How does those, well, let me ask you this. How do past lives affect that new soul coming in? These are easy questions, uh, GM. I mean, beautiful so. questions. <laughs> <Did> I, <laughs> can I tell you a story? Do you mind? Please, please. I love your stories. No, thank you. You wouldn't like my bedtime stories. <laughs> <laughs> I had a student many, 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 many years ago still in this lifetime, many years ago. And he was a bodybuilder in Australia. And if he's listening to this, he'll know exactly that I'm talking about him. Now, he, um, in bodybuilding, it's about symmetry. It's not about size. It's about symmetry. And this poor guy, he was winning local bodybuilding competitions, left, right, and center. He looked good. But one shoulder was always smaller than the other. He went to doctors. He had steroid injections in the shoulder. He did everything, and it just would not come up to scratch. So he came to me, and I suggested, let's have a look at a past life regression. 
So we go into a past life regression. We bring up, anyway, we go into this past life regression and he comes out on a battlefield in Scotland somewhere. This is a guy in Australia. So he's in Scotland. Someone comes running up to him on horseback, jumps off the horse, cuts him down through here. His shoulder peels away. He's laid up against a tree in absolute horror. He's just been cut in half. He's terrified. He doesn't know what's going to happen next in life. So you pop up. You're the one that's gone back in time into this past life. So the you leaning against the tree is seeing this shimmering thing in front of it now. What's it going to think? Ghost? Angel? It has no idea. It's feeling better, though, because it's seeing something paranormal. So what you need to do at that point, and this is what I had the guide do, you just lean over and you say, you have no need to worry about anything. I'm here to let you know that you are divinely loved and life goes on. And this is purely a small hurdle and a life that probably shouldn't have been, but that is irrelevant. Life will go on. You are going to be reborn and there is so much more to life that you are about to experience. So buck up. Don't worry about it. Go to sleep. And then you drift back and you come back and you take away the post-traumatic stress that stays with your epigenetics. You remove it. So he comes back now, back into this world. Six months later, he won Mr. Universe. After that, he was off to the Arnie Olympics. Uh, sorry, the Arnie uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilding classic. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, was after classic. all of that, and um, his shoulder grew back. We just broke his trauma from a memory that he didn't know he had. That's genetic memory, epigenetics. So that that is how past life can affect this one. What, what on one say, level. On one level, so when you say epigenetics, um, you know, we I've had Bruce uh, Bruce Lipton on the show who spoken a lot about epigenetics. I didn't understand that epigenetics has. I've heard this from other guests before about that we bring in through our DNA, which is the code, the programming of our of our matter, traumas from not only our past lives but generational. Uh, generational mm. uh, past life. So our my grandfather, my great-grandfather, and so on and so on, uh, that that stuff keeps carrying on until someone breaks that cycle of, of source. Is that is that a fair statement? Oh, absolutely. The, a good example of that is the, um, the poor Jewish people after the Second World War. They went through so much intense misery and everything else that I can't possibly think of words to cover it, they are now being born with underdeveloped adrenal glands. Oh, there's a whole generation of young Germans being born with underdeveloped adrenal glands for that reason. So, yes, you know, that's just one demonstration, of course, and there are many others. And that's just on this piddly little tiny planet, one pixel in, an in, in, a, in a, a drive-in movie screen-sized universe. This planet <laughs> is one pixel. And there's all sorts of stuff going on everywhere else. And that's just in the physical universe. There is at least 11 more dimensions supporting this universe. And there are beings that live there as well. Some of them just look like transparent blankets moving around. Let me ask you. 
Well, let me let me Sorry. ask you this: what, from your point of view, what happens after we pass? Like, what's I always love asking this question from people from past life, uh, past life regressionists, uh, also from near death experiencers. When the soul is on the other side, is it hanging out at a bar? Is it is it watching movies? Like in the time period between lives, what is going on? Do you have an answer to that? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Next question. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I do this quite often. As you know, one of my main things was death practices. Used to mm-hmm. die twice a week, stop the heart, leave the body, etc., etc. So from experience, there's several things that can happen and you do have a choice. You can leave your body and remain here, especially if you can't let go. But you can do it by choice and you can remain here. You can do it while you're alive. You can leave your body and you can float over to your friend's house and Mm -hmm. have a look, come back, phone up your friend and say, I've just been to your place. Do you have half a cup of coffee and a red rubber band sitting on your bedside table? And he or she will go, yeah, you've been looking through the window. But what that's doing is telling you that you were actually there. So that's one thing that can happen. When you're alive, when your body's alive, you're still connected to the brain. So you still have brain data coming towards Mm. you. When you die, the brain doesn't go with you, obviously, and neither does the thought process. So you're purely working from knowing, pure knowing, the knowing that you use to turn into thoughts when you're in a body is still there. So that's the knowing. So another thing you can do is. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You can remain within the death process and do absolutely nothing and let the death process work in a natural way without your interference, in which case you will see the light and you will do the whole 40-week thing and end up coming out in another hospital somewhere. And the third option, actually there's four now that I think about it. I'll go straight to the fourth first. The fourth option is you can actually possess another body. I know mystics who on a regular basis visit coma wards or coma hospitals where people are absolutely brain dead, but there's nothing wrong with them for whatever reason. And they keep an eye on these bodies. And when it's time for this body to die, the one that the mystic is in, he will go into that spare car over there that no one's using. And suddenly in the hospital, the body wakes up, comes out of coma. You have access to all of its thoughts, but you also have your own, your own knowing. So that's another one. That's kind of akin to possession, but not. Is that that like a walk-in soul? I've heard of that term, the walk-in soul. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of names for it, but that's a possibility and anyone can do it. Mm -hmm. But the third option is you can leave your body and go into the astral realm and live there. Your job there would be input into living people's creativity. The astral realm is where you where, where we make our blueprints. 
when you sit down, if you are a, uh, if you want to build a building, you're going to build it here first, and then you'll, from there, you'll put it on paper, and then from the paper, you'll put it on the road. When you're building it up in here, that's the astral. That's where you're building it. That's the blueprint. Mm-hmm. So if you decide to hover in that astral realm as an entity, a creative entity, you have the ability to influence people's creativity. So they're the things you can do. They're the options that you will have. How? Yeah, anyway. So that they're your options. But when you're saying that they have influences on people's creativity, it the person's the person that they're trying to uh, inspire, let's say, it is part of their soul blueprint to go down that road. In other words, you're not going to give uh, the the greatest screenplay for the the best movie ever written or the great American novel to somebody who's not supposed to go down that road. Absolutely. Expert expert because there is that there's everyone has to honor their own soul blueprint so they are there to assist in that process mm. yes part they're all yes very very interesting um and can, you can go out there and talk to these things if you wanted to could i give you a quick idea of uh, how i do it with people if you don't please, mind very clear take me two minutes yeah sure 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 so what happens is we go into a past life we pretty much kill the body down to about two, three heartbeats a minute. Lots of internal stuff happens when you do that. If you relax the body enough, it releases its grip on the spirit as well to a certain extent. Anyway, one, there's a certain process I take you through. I'll have you out of your body in about 13 to 15 minutes. Anyone in the room with us, falls into the same vortex. So if you come out the other side and you're seeing blue dolphins, it's not unusual for someone on the couch to go, oh, I'm seeing blue dolphins. They're seeing what this person's seeing because they're bringing data from one dimension into another. So anyway, you'll go into a past life. You'll go through a certain process to make sure that you're not just using your imagination. Basically, you turn your brain off. You're dead, brain dead. So now we know it's not imagination. You can put an electroencephalograph on there and make sure there's no brain activity as well. So you go into your past life. We look for some smoke coming out of the forest or a mountaintop or somewhere. We're looking for a road or we're looking for a path, something that would indicate other life. Once you've done that, let us say hypothetically, we find a village. You go to the village, you find someone who looks like they are amicable enough and you would you would lie to them, unfortunately, and you would say something like, excuse me, I've just been on my horse and I've fallen off my horse and bashed my head on a tree and for some reason I forgot my name and I'm not sure which village I've come from. Do you know me? And if you're lucky, they'll go, oh, yeah, your name is... John Doe and you live over there with your grandmother you've been there for 14 years now and you know me I'm, I'm the mayor of the village he'll tell you the name of the village they'll tell you the date you need to ask them what date this is so you know how far back you've gone and then you would go to your cottage and you would put take some things out of your cottage and put it under a stone somewhere and then when you come back to this generation oh, sorry this this time you would Google Earth 
the village that you went to and see if it's there. You would look up the people, you would look up the houses, you would look up the name that you were given, you would go back there and find it and look under the rock that you place something under and the thing will be there. And that's how you prove. That's where the evidence is that you've actually done it. It's really so that's just one thing you can do. And I forgot what your question was, but it was a great answer. <laughs> it's a great answer to the question. <laughs> you said something really interesting, and I want to d- dig into it a little bit. You said that when you relax the body down to uh, two or three heartbeats, it releases the grip on the spirit. That statement's very interesting to me because two things. One, when you meditate, you relax the body, you drop your heartbeat, and then you can loosen the spirit to go and connect to different areas. You can go astral projection, you can go out of body, but you could also have mystical experiences because the body has been, it's literally releasing it. And then secondly, in the dream state, when we go to sleep at night, we are releasing the spirit because the body has no grip over it. Hence, we are living in the dream world or the astral plane when we are dreams. Is that correct oh absolutely and of course hypnosis that's another one right it's hypnosis you're turning the ego off under hypnosis and um it, it lets you go so I'm, I, love I, I just i say that because it's just again i'm just in my own personal journey trying to figure out again and again the how things work in so well, do you know ways. how hypnosis works please explain it to explain it to the audience wunderbar here we go <laughs> hypnosis hypnosis is turning off the impetus behind your thoughts or some people would call it the analytical factor mm-hmm. apollo robbins would call it frank you know apollo robbins i do not uh, he's the best pickpocket in the world Okay. Only because he's brilliant at misdirection. Mm -hmm. And what he points out is very correctly, if I ask you what color your car is, you got this little guy here called Frank. And when I ask you that question, he's going to go back to a filing cabinet and go through there until he finds the color of your car. And then he'll pull that out and come up and go, oh, it's blue. That happens in a millionth of a second, but it's always happening. That's Frank. So if I ask you a question, when Frank goes back to look for that, there's a doorway there that's not being filtered and I can get into your head at that moment while he's not sitting there. Hypnosis knocks him out and this is how it works. Thousands of years ago, if you and I were walking towards each other on a road, we would do this. I'm showing you I don't have a weapon. I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to rob you. We're good friends. A couple of thousand years later, that ended up as a wave and a handshake. It is so ingrained in you now that if you walk down the street towards a total stranger and go, hi, my name's Alex, he will probably shake your hand just out of epigenetics. Mm -hmm. He will do that, okay? Now, that is so ingrained to the point where you don't think about it. It becomes an automatic move, which means Frank's having a yawn at that moment. You see, because it's an automatic thing. You don't need Frank. 
So you go to shake the guy's hand. He shakes your hand. You don't do this anymore, which is what he's expecting. You don't shake the hand. You turn his hand around, put it in his face, which is something completely left field of what he was expecting. Now he's in a trance. He's like, oh, oh, what happened? Frank jumps up. What's going on? It's a mess in there for about three seconds. Frank's running around looking for a cue because you've just turned his off. What's your first cue? Sleep. Okay, I'll do that. Mom, he's gone. He's under. This is called... um, We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Uh, Flash induction Mm -hmm. or a snap induction. If you're bending over, tying up a shoelace, something you've done for 35 years, you're tying your shoelace, you're not thinking about it, you're in a, a neutral zone, If I bend down in front of you and look you in the eye and put my hand on your shoelace so you can't tie it up, I'll just stop you. You'll go like that for a second because you don't know what's happening and I'll go sleep and you'll just go bump and you're gone. That's how hypnosis works. It's that easy. You just got to get Frank out of there and you just need to know. (laughs) That's awesome. That's an amazing demonstration, my friend. I appreciate that. Now, another thing that we talk about in regards to the afterlife and souls and reincarnation is soulmates or twin flames. What do you? What is your take on this whole soulmate thing? Do we have uh, a group or a soul family? Do we have groups of souls that we are continuously incarnating with in different ways to help each other grow? No, not really. Something similar, but no, that's not really the way to look at it. How would you um, I can give you it? I give you an analogy. If you were to take a liter of water, ocean water, and you turn that liter of ocean water into a dozen ice cubes in an in an ice cube tray, you've taken this one entity of water and split it up and solidified twelve different entities out of it. So now you've got twelve ice cubes but they're all made of exactly the same entity the same water if you throw all of them back into the ocean and they melt back into the ocean in some areas because of other laws like like attracts like and all of that the water that used to be this ice cube may feather through some of the water that was in that ice cube and you'll notice, you, and so they've blended. They are they've come in contact with each other at some point in time, as as water and as ice cubes. And people are like those ice cubes. If you are from, if if a bunch of people have all come from, how could I put this? A certain sector of mind. Let's say you've got a certain sector of mind that was just enough to split up into a dozen people's bodies. You've got a dozen people. They've all got that little bit of mind that all came from the same sector of universal mind. So there's a connection there. And then when these people die and get reborn into another car, another form, 
if you were one of those people and you just happened to brush past or walk past a total stranger that just happens to be from that same sector of mind that you all came from, you would feel a connection. You would immediately mm. look at each other. You would immediately feel that connection. You would probably go and have a coffee with each other if it's male and female and male and male even or female and female you'll probably think you're falling in love with each other because you've got such a deep connection that can't be described in words mm. and you would go we must be soulmates you are but you're not different souls off on different paths you're drops of milk that have come from the same carton oh that's that's really beautiful that's a really beautiful way of putting it because it's well, thank you it gave me a headache so let me ask you then from your point of view what is the ultimate purpose of all of this the goal of this reincarnation and the spiritual evolution and attaining oh that's easy what is that that's easy man you know this one Do you want me to go all the way back to before there was matter? Because I think we've done that one. Yeah, we did that one. Yeah, we, did, we, we, we spoke about the very beginning of the universe in the last conversation. Well, that's, that's your answer. Life is trying to understand itself. Life has to just go on and go on and go on until it's reached the end of its potential before it's it can endless. fully know itself. And it's full, And that's endless. And that's endless. And there's there's your need for reincarnation. There's your need for constantly recycling matter. There's your need for retaining information. Well, it's all life wanting to know what it is. And it's in all of us. We're all curious. We're all confused. We all want to know where we came from. How can 8 billion people have the same question if we're not painted with the same brush? Well, that's another beautiful. That's, yeah. That makes that makes all the sense in the world. Well, well truth you, generally does. Yeah, you know that's the thing, and that's another thing about truth, um, because when you hear it, it's like a a beautiful piece. Oh. Of music. it's a beautiful piece of music that kind of just rings in you, and you go, "Oh, that makes exactly. It's exactly. Thank you for the special effects, sir. No problem. <laughs> no, it's it's." It's it's very true though that that when you hear truth you go oh that makes sense and it's just an automatic like okay that that just rings true to me no pun intended. Um, would you like to know where truth lives? Oh, I would love to know where truth lives. Well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <gasps> where what? Okay, let me start right at the beginning. If you want to buy a carton of milk, you're not going to go to the library unless you're a total idiot. You're going to go to the local shop because mm-hmm. that's where you get milk from. I know cows come before that, but just, you know, if you no, want to buy a carton of milk, you're going to go to the shop. You will not go to the library because that's not where you're going to find milk. You go to the library if you want a book. Where does truth reside? Where do you go to find that? What is truth is reality, therefore it has to be somewhere real. It can't be in a belief or in an imagination or anything of that nature. <clears throat> what is real now? That's what's real right now. 
It's the only thing that's happening, not just in your lounge room, in the whole universe. Everything is sharing this now with us right now. Anything either side of now is memory or assumption. Neither exist, past or future. So now is all that really actually exists. Fear comes from the future. If I have a gun in your face, you're not scared of the gun. You're scared of what's coming next. And it may or may not come next. Irrelevant. Fear comes from the future. Paranoia comes from the future. Regret, guilt, all of that. Sadness, that all comes from the past. None of those actually exist. It's memory or assumption. What's left now? Okay. Truth lives here and now. So you can't go into the past. You can't use your memory. You can't go into the future. That's all assumption. So what can you do with now? You can experience it. Now we're talking, we're, we are now right up against truth now. We're starting to experience as opposed to think, for want of better words. So if you're not getting your head around truth, you need to be in the now. If you're going to get your head around truth, you need to be in the now for quite a while. So do you have the focus to be in the now? I don't know. How do I find out? Count backwards from 10 to 1 without veering off. Can you do that? They will go, most people will go 10, 9, 8. Oh, did I lock the front door? <clears throat> Failed. Mm -hmm. That's most people. If you can count backwards from 10 to 1, you're doing better than most people if you can do that without veering off. It also means that you can now stay in the moment for 10 seconds, 10 seconds more than most people in the world. If you can count backwards from 30 to 1 without veering off just once, you have the focus that most people in the world will never have. Very few people in the world can do that. Now, when you sit in this beautiful, wonderful place in the middle of the mind in deep meditation, and if you've done it correctly, you only have to hold that for one minute and enlightenment will hit you like a truck and absolute truth and reality. So all you've got to do is train yourself to be in the moment for at least one minute and guess what will happen? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So that's truth. That's where truth lives. And that's how you get to it. If you can't stay in the moment for more than a few seconds, you don't have a hope in hell. That doesn't mean it's the end of the world for you. Train yourself to focus. There's many, many, many things that will do that. And then well, you mean, can sit with truth. Well, I mean, if you... You take an ice cold bath with ice in it. Um, that really helps you focus quickly. Absolutely. Not, there you go. You're not thinking about anything else other than the ice and the feeling that you have in that moment. That's the only thoughts that I, I challenge anyone listening to take an ice bath and think about any problems, any depression, any issues, any sadness. It all wipes away when you're in that moment because you are yeah. then in the moment and you don't allow the mind to do anything else other than to try to survive <laughs> if you're not trained properly survive but yes <laughs> exactly now when you don't have any thoughts going on for a few mm -hmm. moments because you're in the moment what's disappeared 
fear, belief, paranoia. All of it's gone. Self-disrespect, confusion. It's all gone. Just, it's that simple. It's too simple for most, but that's how simple it is. So it's simply given, said. It's simply said harder to do. <laughs> harder to do. It can be. And a lot of people, most people can't do it and won't do it. They would like to do it. Most people in the world are striving to be special in the eyes of others because of this thing, this ego thing. And this ego thing will come up with all kinds of ridiculous bullshit and belief systems and stupidity. And then they'll put it into a half hour documentary and put it on YouTube and people believe it. Mm. All of this stuff you see on YouTube, you've got to ask yourself, where's this person got this information from? Have they done it or do they just believe it? Is it a theory that they've had for so long they now have forgotten that it was a theory and they're starting to believe that it's actually real? And then they'll go and do a YouTube thing about it. They'll write a book about it. It'll sound good to you, so you'll buy the book. But it was probably written by a psychotic. You don't know. So this thing, 99% of these videos on YouTube telling people how to do things and how to get here and how to get there, I'm not saying they're all like this. I don't know any of them, but I can guarantee 90% of them are just coming from belief systems and theories, not experience. I wouldn't talk about death unless I'd died a million times already. I, That's why I interviewed people who've died. There we go. See what I mean? <laughs> and this is, so I'm very reluctant to talk about these things, as you know, because there are a million people, a billion, two, three, Five billion people out there striving to put their ridiculousness into other people's lives through YouTube. And um, and through many other things as well. And through many, many, many other things, the books, all of that kind of thing. And like I said before, this thing is what's coming up with all of that. This thing is what's writing those books. You see what I mean? So it's like 20th hand information. You don't know who the people were that put the information into that kid before the kid grew up and wrote the book. My God. Well, let me ask you me this. Deal, John. Well, let me ask you this, though. If, I mean, because there is, I think there is value in some of these things. Like you said, 10%. Oh, absolutely. There is. There's a lot of crap out there. No question. And in mass media, there's a lot of fear and crap and all that other stuff as well. But there are, there are, there is knowledge that is out there that will ignite you to remember the information that you had forgotten. There is yes. that stuff. There is that stuff. Yes. That's what I strive to do with the show is to try to get these little nuggets of information out into the world. But I agree with you. 90%, if not higher, is just crap. It is, mm. it is crap, but I, I do like the point of view of experiential. If you could, if you're listening to someone who's gone through it mm. from their experience, not secondhand, thirdhand, twentieth hand, um, you know, is I think a little, it's very interesting. It's an interesting, interesting way of looking at things. Now, going back to the soul, can the soul live multiple lifetimes at the same time? Ha, ha, ha. Yes. Mm -hmm. Please elaborate. Oh, there is a wonderful 
Siddhartha story, actually. <clears throat> it wasn't about Siddhartha. It was about one of the monks that revolved around Siddhartha. But this monk, he, um, he was dying. He was ill. It was time for him to depart. Very, very wrong word. It was time for him to leech out of the, the vehicle that he'd been using because it was sick. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So he went into deep meditation and sat there into the meditation where he could remain conscious through the death process and become a Rinpoche. A Rinpoche is merely someone who has been reincarnated and found their way back and pick up where they left off. That's a Rinpoche, basically. I went way off track then. Give me the question again real quick. (laughs) Can souls, can a soul have multiple lifetimes? Thank you, thank you, thank you. So he died. They, They can't find him at all. Eventually, one of the people who have been trained specifically to look for reincarnating masters and monks had a dream, and he dreamt that this master, his master, who had just died, was in America. Anyway, long, long story short, they all went out and found the reincarnation of this dead monk master, but it came in three different children. His humor went into one child because he had a fantastic sense of humor. His compassion went into another child and his creativity went into another child. And all of these children came together from completely different parts of the planet and they knew each other. And they tested them as they do in Tibet. I'm pretty sure you understand how they Mm -hmm. do that with the bowl and the teeth and all the rest of it. And they all passed the test. One kid picked up the bowl and said, oh, this is my bowl, and I am pretty sure my teeth are in that cabinet over there. And they were, wooden false teeth. Um, And another one said, oh, that's my hat and my cape. And they were. So they all knew that that's my bowl, that's that, and this other kid knew that that hat was also part of this monk. So they knew. They get tested. The Tibetans aren't stupid. They know how to test a person. And, of course, they've got their own oracles, which is like, you like your mind to be blown. You should sit in the same room as the Dalai Lama's oracle. That'll blow you out. That's amazing. What is the Dalai Lama's oracle? I've never heard of that. Oh. I know about, I know what an oracle is, and I know who the Dalai Lama is. I've never heard of both in the same room. I don't even know this concept. Can you explain it, please? There is... A tr- how could I put this? There, there are people in Tibet, and it's a handed down thing, master to student, master to student, mm-hmm. usually father to son in the same vein. And these people have dedicated since birth, dedicated their entire life to being a vessel for spirits to come through and help and speak with Dalai Lama. That's what they do. That's all they do. That's what they're designed for, and that's what they train for. So when the Dalai Lama has to have some information, spiritual information that the ego simply can't approach, he will go into the room, he will call onto his oracle, 
they will bring the oracle in and put all of this regalia on, all of this enormous ancient clothing that they wear and armor. And then this oracle will start to go into his trance state and then spirits start to speak through him. And then they have another bunch of people and their only job is to be able to translate these really high squeaks and grunts that comes out of this oracle. And in those translations, they give that to the Dalai Lama and he gets his answer and then he can go and use it in the world. So that's a Dalai Lama's oracle. But is that, is that more, are they, is, is the oracle like a medium or a channel? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. More like a walkie-talkie. A medium or a channel. Both of those are yeah, very similar. Yeah. They, they're, they're, they're conduits, if you will, to the Some other side. Are, yes. So, <laughs> so, yes, I agree. <laughs> Some are. Yes. Others, maybe not. My, uh, my only thing with all of this kind of attitude, Alex, is, look, guys, if you're searching for truth and reality, you've got to approach it with a scientific attitude. Mm -hmm. If someone says, oh, I can do this and do that, you go, really? Have you done it? And they, you, you've got to find out if it's a theory. You've got to find out where this person's getting their information from. Otherwise, stop going down the slow road and take the fast road. And I've said this a million times. Everything that makes up being alive is in your skin bag right now, or you would be dead. Mm -hmm. Go in there and have a look. All the answers are inside you. It takes me less than two minutes to take you there, mm. if you want to. Alex? I, I would love to. <laughs> if, if, I was like, is he inviting me to do this? I would love yes. to. If you could show us. If you could show it to us, I would, oh my God, that would be amazing, GM. Do you want to do it towards the end or do you want to do it like now-ish? Let's do it now-ish. Why not? All right. I think Let's I've do done it. this before, but it, it doesn't matter. The reason I'm doing this is clarity with people. Mm -hmm. One thing you need to know before we do this, okay? And as you know, I have people coming to me saying things like, I've been meditating for 10 years, GM, and I'm just not getting anywhere with it. I'm as depressed as I was 10 years ago. Why doesn't this work? And I say, how are you meditating? And they tell me, and I say, I'm sorry, you've been visualizing for 10 years, not <laughs> meditating. Right. And that is what most people teach, and it's disgusting. Once mm -hmm. again, they don't know what they're doing. So... <clears throat> If you're quite content in life, but occasionally a thought process comes up that makes you feel a little bit sad and you don't know why that is, you will contemplate. That's what contemplation is for, seeing where the glitch is in your program. That will tell you that. Your brain thinks in picture form. If you want to talk to your brain, if you want your brain to create a miracle, all you have to do is talk to it in its own language, which is pictures, and it will produce anything you want it to produce, including healing cancer, if that's what's necessary. But you've got to learn its language. I've said this to you before. If I say to you what color is your house, you don't see the words, my house is white. You see a white house. Your brain is going, it's this color. You see, it talks. So you have to talk back to it in pictures. It doesn't know what words mean. 
Why? Because it's a dead thing. We've just discussed that. So contemplation is to fix the program. Visualization is to tell your brain what you want it to do. Meditation is to take you into the, the enlightened mind, the spirit, to take you out of ego. That's what that's for, and that's all it's for. Each one practice has a different objective and outcome. People are trying to reach enlightenment through visualization. People are trying, et cetera, et cetera, using the wrong tool for the wrong thing. In saying that, here we go. Okay. This is going to take three minutes, maybe five. Let's go five. You ready? Okay. Mm-hmm. Be very comfortable, please. Take a nice, easy, deep breath. And as you let your breath out, make sure your eyes are closed. Nice and easy. You take one more breath. And as you let this next breath out, let every muscle and every organ in your body just drop and hang. This is called an inner smile. When you let everything inside you relax, your upper diaphragm in your torso and your lower diaphragm starts to sink in the middle and it looks like a smile and that's called the inner smile. It's a very, very healthy thing to do. Now that you're in there and you're relaxed, the first thing you're going to notice is the blackness and in that blackness there's going to be movement like watching a bowl of black ink. But that's okay. You've gone in there to be still in yourself, not to still the things that you can see. So stilling the movement in the blackness is an absolute ridiculous movement. So don't do that. Somewhere back there in the background in that darkness, Alex is chattering away somewhere. There's chatter, internal chatter. There's voices. There's thinking. Don't worry about that. That's not you either, obviously. You are something else in there watching that. Also, there may be colors coming and going from the blackness. There might be shapes coming and going in the blackness. The shapes may be changing colors. The colors may be changing colors right in front of you. Don't try and do anything with that either. That's not you. Why the hell would you try and stop that? So what have we got? You are sitting there in this wonderful, dark, beautiful space in the middle of your brain somewhere, and all around you, There's movement, there's chattering, there's shapes, there's voices, there's there's colors, there's aches and pains of the body, all sorts of things. And as we've said, to try and stop those is an absolute irrelevant practice. What you will notice, though, is your focus tends to move from the blackness to the movement from the movement to the shapes, from the shapes to the thinking, from the thinking to the voices. That is what you have to still. That is you. Stilling what you're aware of is irrelevant and inconsequent. So what have we got now? Like being the eye in a storm. You have this raging storm whizzing around you, and yet in that eye, There is absolute beautiful stillness, a clear blue sky, sun beaming in, absolute stillness, no movement of wind or anything. And yet going on around you is enormous amounts of destruction, but you in the middle are untouched 
and you are held there in the middle by that destruction going on around you. Nothing can get through there to you, but unfortunately you can't get through it. And that's the situation, but that's not a problem. So you're sitting in there absolutely wonderfully still. You've got thoughts chattering away in the background. And in those chattering thoughts somewhere in the background are all your fears and problems and beliefs and all the stupidity that have made all the things in your life that were difficult, difficult. But they're not you. Do nothing about it. Your job is to sit there and stop your focus from moving from one thing to the other. That is the stillness you're after. And when you can do that, you can then go about watching Alex go through his day, working in the world, doing what Alex normally does, but you yourself will consistently, constantly be in that wonderful, beautiful stillness, untouched by the stupidity of the thoughts that Alex has at certain times. But that's irrelevant too. You sit there in that wonderful stillness and sitting there, you can now see and realize that all of your problems are in that thinking back there somewhere. Now, if you can sit there absolutely still for one minute, enlightenment will hit you like a truck. And this is why I said before, if you can just count backwards and hold your focus for 30 seconds, and then if you can extend that to one minute, that's all you have to do. Train your focus to be in the moment for one minute and you'll start to realize enlightenment. And that's what the practices are for. So I'm going to leave you for 20 seconds and then I'll call you back out of it and we'll get back into the interview. But watch, notice, but don't move. Okay, Alex, that's probably about 20 seconds. Take a deep breath, buddy, and slowly come back to your room. Wunderbar. <laughs> if you're not doing that, you're not meditating. Right. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Yeah, that's exactly it. It was it was beautiful. It, it's I'm used to doing that with my meditation. I just kind of go into a place where I stop, and then I go, and I'm gone somewhere, and then I come back. And there's sometimes there's 30 minutes that go by, and I'm gone. And that's what you actually have. You have to stop that as well, my friend. Eventually. Uh -huh. I was talking to a lady the other day. She's been meditating for 30 years and she's still having problems. She's mm -hmm. not getting the ultimate what she wanted and she explained what she was doing. She was doing exactly what I just did with you, but then she starts to feel this beautiful sensation of melting and becoming one with the all. Mm -hmm. And, of course, what's just happened? She's shifted her focus onto that. Mm. Mm doesn't matter how beautiful it is, it can still be a trap. There's nothing wrong with any of this if you're not trying to get to the ultimate point of enlightenment at all. It's just what mm. happens, and you need to understand that. But you cannot move. You've got to be still, regardless of what's coming at you. Hold that stillness for one minute. 
if you're coming and going, you're moving. If you're focusing on wonderful feelings, you just move. These things are grabbing you and moving. This is your ego doing this to you. Absolute stillness. And then when you can hold that without a single movement, you have arrived at that state of mind that you were before matter, before the Big Bang. And then you will experience oneness with the all, the entity of all at that moment. Guaranteed for all the obvious reasons. That is beautiful. It, it, yeah. Um, it was nice Leave to go it there. That, shall we? <laughs> I, it, it, was, it was nice to go there, my friend, with you. Um, GM, it has been, it's always such a pleasure talking to you, my friend. I know you are a wealth of information, experimental, experiment, experiential uh, information that uh, we could talk forever. We will definitely have to do this again and talk about some other subjects as well, my friend. Do you, um, a question I have for you, because I already asked you the other questions last time, but I have a new question for you at the end. Uh, if you could go back to a younger version of yourself, what advice would you give them? Hang in. It gets better. <laughs> Hold on tight. It's going to be one hell of a ride. <laughs> the only certainty in life is change. And if you are as low as you can possibly go, the next change has to be upwards, doesn't it? So hitting absolute rock bottom is a good thing because the next movement's going to be upwards. So relish the, the, the bottom because it's going, you're going to bounce from there. And where can people find out more about you and if they want to reach out to you for a session or anything like that, Jim, where can they go? Well, as you know, um, I have a website, which is gmwolf.org. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I will put it in the show notes. I will put it in the show notes. It will be in the description of uh, the YouTube video. Don't worry about it. Thank you very much. Here we go, www.gmwolf.org. Okay. If you want to, if you need to, you can go there and from there you can make an appointment and I counsel people online. I teach people online. I consult people and companies online and I will ask, sorry, I will answer any question anyone has about any part of their life, if I can. So you have access to me that way. And of course I have a YouTube channel which I also don't know the name of. Grandmaster, I'll put it in the show notes. thank yeah. you very much. Oh, One thing, goodness. may I ask a favor, please, Alex, while we're still online? Sure, of course. I have an absolutely wonderful healing visualization. Most people would call it a meditation, but it is not. Mm -hmm. It's an exercise that heals everything. I've seen it heal everything from tropical ulcers to brain tumors. Mm -hmm. And it takes, I can tell you how to do it in five minutes flat. Would you like mm -hmm. to do that? Sure. On, honestly, to. if you've only got the time, we can do it. Yeah. Oh, we have the time. Absolutely. I've got a couple you of, can edit this. Couple, a, a couple of uh, aches and pains I would love to get rid of. <laughs> okay. You ready? I am, sir. First thing you need to do is get yourself several grams of hash. <laughs> I'm joking. Here we go. <laughs> so you start you off with you start off with uh, crack cocaine, 
And, <laughs> <laughs> and then you work your way up. Yeah. And then you work your way up to meth and uh, heroin. No, go ahead. And, We're and joking. Then you will experience joking. death. Exactly. No, 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 no. <clears throat> so you're saying. Now, as you, we've just uh, done the exercise that takes you towards enlightenment, realizing enlightenment. This one I'm about to do is an all-over healing process. And like I said, it will heal everything and anything from tropical ulcers to brain tumors. In saying that, go to a doctor uh, and all of that stuff, okay? I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. saying do this and you'll never have to see a doctor again. Mm -hmm. Don't take this. I don't know how to say it. You know how to say it, Alex. This is, this is uh, please see, uh, you are not a physician. You are not a doctor. Uh, please, conti please continue. If, if you are not feeling well, please see a physician or a doctor. Uh, you are not a, a licensed to do so. This is for uh, entertainment purposes only. If you would like to try it, be my guest. Thank you. That was lovely. My goodness. <laughs> Here we go. Please close your eyes for me. Take a nice, easy, deep breath and relax everything. Wonderful. Now imagine a ball of Manuka honey sitting on top of your head. Beautiful, glistening, golden, healing honey. The size of a baseball just sitting on your head. And now imagine that the heat from your body is melting that honey and that honey is starting to seep into your skin very warm very healing amazing fantastic glistening honey and allow it to sink through your skin and start to melt its way down through the skin through the bone saturating the bone of your skull through the brain and allow that honey to just melt its way through your entire head, through the skin and the bone and everything within, past your eyes, down past your nose. And imagine this with your whole brain, your whole mind and focus. And as it melts down past your tongue and your throat and your neck, you should be able to taste the honey. And allow that honey now to spread across your shoulders and melt its way down through your arms, your biceps and triceps and bones. And as that, that honey, that manuka honey, is melting and cleaning and healing, doing all the wonderful things that it does, as it, wakes, it works its way down through your arms and your forearms and your hands towards your fingers, you could almost feel any toxins or negativity or anything that you don't want in there is being pushed out of the end of your fingers by this gorgeous, wonderful, warm honey. Now get back to the torso and allow that honey to trickle down through the skin of your back and through your spine and through your internal organs, your heart, your lungs, your chest, with all your mind, feel this honey and allow that to work its way down through your abdominals, your stomach, all the way down into your pelvic area, into the bone, into your genitals and your buttocks and everything, and down into your legs, through the bones of your legs, through the meat, through the muscles, 
And when you get to the knees, allow the honey to just circulate for a few moments around the knee area and just feel it just developing and fixing and cleaning and healing. And let that go down now into your shins and your calf muscles and down past your ankles. And as it starts to move into your feet, you may feel a little pressure in your toes as it's pressing and pushing anything in there that you don't want out of your toes. And by the time that honey reaches the ends, the tips of your toes, the last drop of honey on your head should sink into your skull and you are totally, absolutely saturated, cleansed, cleaned, healed, fixed by this gorgeous, wonderful honey. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And this is how you use thought to create miracles. I have seen this heal tropical ulcers. I've seen this heal everything, eczema, cancer. But you have to do this for more than five minutes. You should take half an hour, 20 minutes to half an hour to do this with your whole mind and do it as many times a day as you like. And we're done. Very, very cool, my friend. Very, very cool. Try it. It is a good visual. It's a visualization in many ways, obviously. It's a visualization. You are talking to your brain. You are telling your brain that you want your entire body to be cleansed, healed, and fixed, please. And this is what we're going to use as a focus. Now, of course, in the background, there's all sorts of data that you have in regards to the healing properties of honey and how important mm -hmm. it is. And that's all you need to know for it to do its job. In India, you would use ghee, not honey. Right. right. Um, GM, do you have any final words for our audience? I love everybody. Life is fantastic. Don't get caught up in everyone else's negative stupidity. Live life to the fullest. Whatever you are, life has made you like that. Do it. Follow your bliss. I appreciate you and uh, the amazing work you're doing in the world, my friend. Thank you again for being on the show. Until next time. Absolute pleasure, Alex. You take care, my friend. I want to thank Grandmaster Will for coming on the show and sharing his amazing knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 251. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.